Hello and welcome to The Pulse. Later in the show, are the police misusing their powers? This question arises in the wake of the wrongful interrogation and arrest of an autistic man for manslaughter and identity parades in which police officers and other pro-police protesters have been allowed to be uncooperative. Former Director of Public Prosecutions, Granville Cross, will be here to talk to us. First, though, in 2009, when the government proposed building the Guangzhou, Shenzhen, Hong Kong Express Rail Link, there was strong opposition, and it hasn't abated. Not only are there doubts about how many passengers it will carry, but also over the price tag, which is heading over the original $65 billion, the equivalent of $9,000 out of each Hong Konger's pocket. The construction is far from over, yet the Express Rail Wink is already at least $20 billion over budget, and there's no way it's going to meet its planned completion dates. Current estimates are that the project could end up costing at least $90 billion. At a LegCo transport panel meeting on Tuesday, both pan-democratic and pro-establishment legislators criticised the government and the MTRC for hiding the truth about the Express Link and providing no constructive solutions. There's been considerable public controversy over the project since at least 2009. It led to villagers from Choi Yun Chun and members of the post-80s group surrounding the former Legislative Council building. The protest didn't help. In 2010, the Council's Finance Committee approved a funding application for $66.9 billion. But further storm clouds appeared last year when construction was revealed to be behind schedule. Legislators question whether either the government or the MTRC was doing its job in monitoring the project. Jay Walder, the then CEO of the corporation, was accused of deliberately withholding information. You are being a CEO. You are very passive to get the information from your staff. What are you doing every day? What is your daily work? You are dreaming under your office, or you are not a tenure at your office? Answer me. Uh, I am carrying out all of my duties as CEO in a professional manner. 
Two months later, Mulder was forced to resign. According to the corporation's latest annual report, it paid him more than $21 million, including a $15.7 million contractual settlement when he left. Many people are asking whether Hong Kong should keep pouring good money after bad. But the New People's Party's Michael Team believes that stopping the project at this stage is not on the cards. If we let this thing drag on, I don't know, it could go to $100 billion or more. It's senseless. We should stop the bleeding, get it open. If it means inconvenience for the first six months or a year, let's do it. Others believe there are still alternatives, including stopping construction outright. Back in 2009, before the administration confirmed its plans for the project, Albert Lai proposed an alternative that would have cost half as much and avoided the need to resettle the villagers of Choi Yun-chun. The government ignored this idea. I would say that uh, this is uh, purely a political judgment rather than a professional assessment. There are certain benefits for stopping the project. One is that um, you know, we can probably save uh, another uh, 45 billion. Um, and um, secondly, uh, we may leave a big hole in the ground, which is the West Kowloon uh, terminus site. And that currently that is the biggest hole in the world, basically. But then that can be turned into very useful space. Since the floor area, uh, as designed, is over 400,000 square meters, it can easily be turned into the biggest uh, underground plaza or an underground citizen center in the world uh, and put to good use. For the express rail to be truly an express railway, the authorities need to sort out how long passengers will be held up for customs and immigration clearance at the future Kowloon terminus. It has been suggested that this could be speeded up by having mainland officers stationed in Hong Kong. Others argue that having them here to enforce PRC law and regulations is a breach of the basic law. The government says it's a problem that can be solved, but it's less than willing to say how. Some pro-establishment legislators are suggesting that under Article 18 of the Basic Law, the Standing Committee of the National People's Congress could get around this by amending the Basic Law to include national law and by changing aspects of Hong Kong law. On Wednesday, the Secretary for Housing and Transport, Anthony Jung, and Secretary for Justice, Rim Skiun, met officials of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office and the Shenzhen Liaison Office to work on solutions. Uh, 
I think that's an idiotic comment from the Secretary for Justice to say this is not uh, something that people care about and that it's not a political issue. Clearly it is a political issue. We always hear from mainland officials lecturing us about having to strictly observe the, the, the words and the, the meaning of basic law. Now this is a test. Do we strictly observe the, the meanings on, and the wordings of the basic law or do we not? Article 18 of the basic law states um, uh, that Annex 3 is confined to defense and foreign affairs. Defense and foreign affairs. You can't turn those words on their head and say that they actually mean something else. So you can't twist the meaning of Article 18 or the, the, the purpose of Annex 3 in order to suit this one railway project. The government is seemingly hoping that its 2017 Make It Happen slogan will work for the Express Rail project, whether or not it works on the electoral reform front. However, Raymond Chin, the chairman of the MTRC, isn't so sure. He says the solution is out of the corporation's hands. We have a chance now to pause and rethink um, because if we uh, agree to um, increase the budget for MTRC, you know, we are reaching a point of no return. But now if we pause and rethink, there could be a chance that we may stop the project and find better use for the site and um, to the benefit of Hong Kong people. Um, I'm not advocating that we stop right now. I'm advocating that we should pause and rethink and come up with an independent assessment report on the different options. And that is a duty on the part of the government. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. According to government figures, 955 people were arrested in connection with the Occupy protests between September and December last year, and 45 more afterwards. 112 have been arrested for other protests since. The police say they don't keep figures for successful convictions, but a glance at news reports reveals the courts are finding a great many defendants not guilty. Some charges have been withdrawn by prosecutors. In other cases, magistrates have been sceptical of police officers' honesty and the exercising of their powers. More recently, the wrongful arrest of an autistic man on a manslaughter charge has brought the issue of police power to the fore once again. Public concern has again focused on police treatment of people with mental illness. A 30-year-old man with autism was kept in detention for almost two days for alleged manslaughter. The charge was later dropped after it was confirmed that he was in an institution in Tumun at the time of the killing. If there weren't uh, such perfect alibi, 
for the, this um, mentally disabled and autistic person. He could have been still incarcerated at this time, so there are specific, uh, specific things that went wrong. And also on top, it looks like the police is not well trained in how to uh, treat people who are autistic and mentally disabled. The brother of the victim and legislator Fernando Zhang filed a complaint with the Complaints Against Police Office on Thursday. The case will be discussed at the next meeting of the Independent Police Complaints Council in early June. A written reply from the police to the Pulse said it has started a comprehensive review on the handling of mentally incapacitated persons, including the need of expertise advice in the process of investigation. Once the complaint has gone into the uh, capital, it's like going, going into a black hole. You don't know what's happening, what's going to happen, and how they're going to investigate themselves. So the only uh, body that could do anything at this point is IPCC. And we strongly recommend IPCC to make this case classified as a serious case and also send observers to look at how they investigate for the whole process. Also on the agenda of the IPCC meeting will be the row over the police lineup in the case involving the alleged attack on a TVB reporter. The victim was asked to identify the suspects from a group of eight people who all wore shell caps and masks. However, at the time, none of the three suspects were wearing masks or caps when the alleged assault took place. The chief inspector in charge allowed the suspects in the lineup to cover their distinctive features before they were presented to witnesses and their alleged victims. We have to offer some protection to suspect because that suspect may not be the thief in question. So we have to offer some protection to him or her. However, at the end of the day, if with the shower cap or with the facial mask, he or she still could be identified or recognized by the victim, then the probability value will be much, much higher. In the case of the social worker Ken Zhang, seven police officers were caught on camera, allegedly beating him in a dark corner in Amrody during the Occupy movement. In the identity parade, the suspects refused to open their eyes, look at the floor, and refused to stand up properly or look in the direction of the witness. It's very uncommon for the uh, arrested person to impose condition uh, in, in order to consent to the attending of the ID parade. It's, uh, it's very rare. But because uh, the possible suspect uh, is a uh, the arrested person is a police, a policeman. Of course, he or she perfectly know uh, his or her right. I don't think the police is making a good balance. Uh, I think he's overprotected to the suspect rather than to make the uh, identifying process a, a more new, a neutral and more reasonable and not uh, skilled towards either the suspect or or the person who let alleged being attacked. Well, with me in the studio is the former director of public prosecutions, Grenville Cross. Grenville Cross, can I ask you, we, we, we've seen the controversy over the case of this 
autistic man who was held on, on suspicion of manslaughter. We've seen controversy over lineups in which the suspects weren't clearly visible to those who were supposed to be identifying them. Are these matters that concern you? They are matters of concern, uh, and uh, they're also, of course, matters of concern to the police who are looking at their procedures. I think at least one of those cases, the police have actually uh, issued a, a qualified apology, uh, and they've undertaken to look at their own processes. But obviously the system needs to work far better than it is doing, uh, and I'm hopeful that the, the police reviews will, uh, will adjust things appropriately. And can you explain to us how this works? Obviously, as, as a former director of public prosecutions, you must know. I mean, who really takes the lead in deciding whether a, a, a person will or will not be, be uh, prosecuted? Well, uh, in many of the minor cases, the decision is taken by the uh, law enforcement agency itself, whether it be at the police, the buildings department, the agriculture and fisheries department, the customs and excise department. But in the more serious cases, the more sensitive cases, uh, legal advice will be obtained from the Department of Justice. Uh, as to who decides in the department itself, the Director of Public Prosecutions will see a few of the cases, the more complex or the more sensitive cases, but the bulk of cases will be dealt with uh, by his subordinates. Uh, the Director of Public Prosecutions will also consult the Secretary for Justice uh, in, in some of the uh, very sensitive cases, uh, or those which are likely to attract publicity. Uh, or, or to have wide ramifications, for example, in policy terms. Uh, and the Secretary of Justice will have an input. So different people at different stages have an input, depending on the nature of the case. And just to follow on, on from that, it's interesting that in England and Wales in recent times, in order to reduce the number of failed prosecutions, the Crown Prosecution Service has expanded its personnel so that almost all charging decisions now are taken by prosecutors in the Crown Prosecution Service and not by the police or other law enforcement agencies. Well, I, agencies. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. I mean, if you have a particular case where the police are particularly keen to prosecute mm. um, and the DPP says, well, I don't think that's a good idea, who, who prevails? Well, under, under the basic law, Article uh, 63, the Department of Justice controls prosecutions free from any interference. So at the end of the day, the uh, Director of Public Prosecutions has the final say and the police have no choice but to accept that. Now, the, the, the allegation has been made, uh, obviously in the light of the Occupy movement last year, that the prosecutions and the police attitude towards prosecutions has become politicised. Do you think that's the case? I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, I, I'm confident the Department of Justice uh, applies professional standards. It provide, applies the traditional criteria to prosecution, which means, first of all, uh, is there enough evidence to afford a reasonable prospect of conviction? And if there is, uh, is it in the public interest to prosecute? Uh, and uh, from what I hear and from what I've been able to observe, the police are, observe, uh, are complying with that and uh, are fully aware of the, the correct criteria to apply. Because they can only arrest people. At the end of the day, it's up to the Department of Justice to prosecute the people. Uh, and I'm sure that the, uh, the Department of Justice is applying the, the appropriate criteria. You see, I think the, 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 the allegation of politics is, is, is wider than just the directly political cases. Yes. I mean, for example, there's this looming controversy over whether or not the former chief executive Donald Jung is to be prosecuted. I mean, mm. that case has been dragging on far, far longer than well, I would suggest a normal case. Would you be. asked me earlier on what does concern me. That the delays uh, in some of the law enforcement agencies do concern me. Uh, the, you're quite right to mention the Donald Chung case. That's actually three years, three months old this coming Monday. Uh, last week, the, the, the case of the former uh, ICAC commissioner, Timothy Tong, was exactly two years old. Uh, so these are very, very long delays which will require a lot of explaining and they do nothing at all to promote public confidence in the ability of the system to handle these cases appropriately. Whether it's due to lack of experience in the ICAC, 
whether it's due to uh, reluctance to take difficult decisions, whether it's because uh, people at the top aren't sufficiently experienced, uh, I don't know, it's a matter of conjecture. But something certainly has to be done to expedite these type of cases, otherwise people will lose confidence in the system. That worries I, me greatly. I think people suspect that it's not to do with manpower at all, it's to do with, with um, political considerations Well, at the th that is the danger, I'm sure that's not right, but the longer these cases are allowed to drag out, the, the more those sort of uh, misconceptions will, 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 uh, will gain life. Uh, so it's very, very important that uh, these cases are dealt with uh, expeditiously. Otherwise, as I say, people will lose confidence. Well, thank you very much indeed. After weeks of what many observers condemn as a deadly ping-pong match, Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak has ordered search and rescue missions for Rohingya migrant boats in the Andaman Sea. More than 7,000 migrants, mainly from Myanmar, are believed to have been stranded at sea for almost a month. Malaysia, Indonesia and Thailand are among several states in the region that have refused to take them in. We'll end with a look at their plight and see you at the same time next week. Goodbye.